Hello to all my listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Jason DeMar's podcast, Equipping the Bride. We appreciate you, each and every one of you listening in. I'm doing something a little different today. I didn't get around to uh, recording this week. Um, it's been very busy and I've had a lot going on in, uh, in our life in South Carolina right now and with ministry travel and uh, getting back in the swing of things. Just didn't have time to do the full recording, so i uh, taken a series that I did in the past and kind of uh, blended it together. The first one is, what does the Bible say about modesty? The next one, what does the Bible say about makeup? And the one after that is about the, what does the Bible say about long hair? So, I've spliced these together as good as I can and making this available to you. Just as a reminder, I'll try to release a new podcast as the Lord helps me every Friday. Appreciate your support, please, if you're listening in. Uh, whatever you're listening in, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Amazon Music, whatever it is, please leave a review for me. Um, whatever that is, I appreciate your feedback and value that. Please email me with your feedback and what this podcast has meant to you. Or if you're on YouTube as well, you can go on my website at jasondemars.com. You can send me a message. Also, if you have any specific topics you'd like me to cover or specific questions you have, I welcome all of those. But I'm asking you for your feedback please leave a review wherever you're at, and that will really help. And if you really appreciate this, and this is a big part of your life, um, go to my Buzzsprout uh, website. You can find that in the links below this, and you can send me even a small amount of support every every month, whether it be three, five, eight, or ten dollars. I think are the options, but Either way, I appreciate it, and thank you so much for helping this podcast continue. Greetings. Thank you for tuning in to listen to Equipping the Bride podcast. I'm Brother Jason DeMars from Beaufort, South Carolina, a minister at Bethel Tabernacle. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Friday. You can watch this podcast on YouTube and listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you have any questions, testimonies, or prayer requests, please let me know at jasondemars.com. I also have free books and tracks available at my website, and shipping is free as well. May the Lord richly bless you. Good morning. God bless you. So thankful that you tuned in this morning and just appreciate you. If you have questions, prayer requests, feedback, please comment on this video or send me a private message. I will answer just as soon as I can. And today our subject is going to be, what does the Bible say about modesty? And we want to look into that in in detail for about 10 minutes here. Modern Christianity 
has left off a big portion of the Bible. They've ignored it and spoken of those who follow it as fanatics. And uh, it's not fanatical <laughs> to obey the word of God. Uh, it's fanatical to misinterpret the word of God and say that this is the word of God and I must obey it uh, in a perversion. But when we're talking about just the scriptures themselves, we have to see and understand that it is not fanatical to obey the word of God. Let's look at Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Of course, in this verse, Jesus focuses uh, on the man. But think of the, the converse. A woman that would dress immodestly is causing the man to commit adultery, and she, in turn, is guilty of the same. If she presents herself immodestly, she is actually causing them. She is a partner in the sin of the man. Modesty is commanded to us in the scripture. 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Now, I just want to stay right, say right away that Paul is not saying you can't braid your hair, you can't wear gold or pearls or costly array. That's not the point that he's trying to make. He's the point he's trying to make is you 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 need to be modest. You don't dress so extravagantly uh, so as to cause shame to poor poor believers. Um, and he's also saying that your the way you dress should not. Uh, uh, well, we'll get we'll get into that more as we look at these different words here in the scripture. Um, this is key, though. Women dress modestly. He's speaking of the kind of clothing women should wear. So this is important. The Apostle Paul says this is the kind of clothes women should wear. Most Christians today say, you know, we can dress however we want to. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference. And that's what you see in our world today, women patterning themselves after American culture, after the ways of the United States, and not after the Word of God. And this is a huge danger. And this is a huge mistake as well. Um, the word there, adorn, is cosmeo. Cosmeo from the Strong's Dictionary is uh, to put in order, to arrange, to make ready, prepare, to ornament, uh, to adore, to embellish with honor, gain with honor. He's speaking about how women should dress. That's that's very very clear in this verse. Now the word where he says modest, where he says modest apparel, it is not the general term for clothing as we would think based on the word apparel. Apparel is in the Greek katastole. It means it's a it's a compound word. It's a lowering or a letting down or a, a, a garment let down. What is Paul speaking of here? He's speaking of a long dress. So he's saying a, a sister should wear a dress 
that is long that goes below the knees. And we'll see that further as we look into more scriptures, why that is below the knees or down to the ankles is a long dress. A long dress is not uh, above the knees. That's a miniskirt. So, uh, and we're not talking, and it's, a, it's to be a modest, long dress, the apostle says. So what is a modest long dress? It's not going to be hugging your body, showing perfectly the form of your body, but it's going to be a dress that could be characterized as modest. But then he says further, I'm going to characterize it further. Modest apparel should be, the modest apparel should be with the modest long dress, we should say, should be with shamefacedness and sobriety. So the character of the dress should be shamefacedness, sobriety. Um, this word in the Greek means a sense of shame or honor, modesty, bashfulness, reverence, regard for others. So the dress is speaking of uh, modesty towards others, reverence for God. You're to dress as though you're shy. Um, and the word sobriety um, it speaks of soundness of mind, self-control. So your dress should be characterized by uh, shyness and self-control. In other words, you didn't just, you spent time thinking about what you were going to wear. How will this be presented before men, before the public? Will I be, will I be, modest? Will I be respectful? Will I be reverent? Or will I be showing off my curves, my body, etc. to the world? That's not what the Lord wants us to do. Um, the word modesty means to be moderate, not to the extremes. It means the middle. Uh, it's, it's, it's not to be, uh, you don't have to wear a hijab like the Muslims wear, but then you don't have to, you're not, you're not to wear tight clothes that shows off your figure and every part of your body. Paul says to dress as though you're shy and have self-control is what you're wearing, expressing that. Is it a long dress? I want to read Richard Baxter. He was a Puritan uh, that lived from 1615 to 1691 in England. And this is a very wonderful and important quote. He says, their clothing tends to the ensnaring of the minds of the beholders and shameless, lustful, wanton passions. Though you say you intend it not, it is your sin that you do that which probably will pr procure it, yea, that you did not your best to avoid it. And though it be their sin and vanity that is the cause, it is nevertheless your sin to be the unnecessary occasion, for you must consider that you live among diseased souls, and you must not lay a stumbling block in their way, nor blow, nor blow up the fire of their lust, nor make the orna your ornaments their snares, but you must walk among sinful persons as you would do with a candle among straw or gunpowder, or else you may see the flame which you would not foresee when it is too late to quench. Wow. Let's continue on. Uh, Genesis 3.21 we're talking about the first two clothing designers and the first two coverings. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. That's Genesis 3.21. Genesis 3.7, it says, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Two sinners designing the first bikini to just cover their private parts. 
So this word there in, from Genesis 3.21, coats of skins, the coats there is the Hebrew word kutanet, and it was the ordinary, this is from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Here the coat was the ordinary inner garment worn by the Jew of the day in which he did the work of the day. It resembled the Roman tunic corresponding most nearly to our long shirt, reaching below the knees always, and in case it was designed for dress occasions, reaching almost to the ground. So the dress needs to be going down below the knees. Uh, that means there shouldn't be a slit that's going above the knees. <laughs> should go without saying that it should be a modest dress or skirt going below the knees. That means when you sit down, it also should be below the knees. If you sit down and comes above your knees, it's not a skirt or, or a dress that goes below the knees. It's one that goes above the knees. So in this, in these scriptures, God shows that there is acceptable clothing and unacceptable clothing. Uh, even if it was just Adam and Eve, they put the fig leaves on. God says, no, that's not acceptable. I'm going to put something on you that covers you from your neck down below your knees. God's first intention, he shows clothes are given to cover the body. Clothes, God reveals that modest clothes cover the body from the neck to below the knees, not revealing the breast or the thigh. Also, there's to be a distinction between the sexes. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5 says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. So the scripture says a man should wear man's clothes, a woman should wear a woman's clothes. Today, the distinction of that is clear. A man wears, wears pants, and a woman wears a skirt or a dress. It's so simple. Um, just looking briefly as we close here, uh, the history of pants for a woman and the importance that a woman should wear a dress. hundred years ago in Christian society, it would have been unthinkable for a woman to wear pants. Uh, the origin of the pants for women is the feminist movement, women declaring their independence and saying, we don't need our husband to be the head of the house. She was rejecting God's program, uh, going out from the headship of man. Um, in the early 1900s, homosexual fashion designers began to make pants for women. Even the debate about whether women should wear pants in public uh, society, the debate was continuing on up even through the 1960s. And it wasn't until the 1960s that uh, women started to wear blue jeans. And so we have, we have to pay attention to these things. God gives a scriptural dress code. And he wants us to be walking in obedience to it. No, we don't earn our salvation by doing those things. But God speaks to us and shows us that there is a, uh, a program for us to follow in his word. And he wants us to obey. And that goes for men too. Men shouldn't be wearing, wearing these shorts. They need to cover themselves down below the knee also. That's Adam had to do the same. We have to do the same. A man should be wearing pants, according to the scriptures. And so these things are important to the believer. We want to know what God's will is for us, and we want to be obedient to it. Why? Not because we're forced into it, but because we love him. And, and that's, that's the important point. So what does the Bible say about makeup? 
Um, so as we look into this, once again, questions, feedback, let me know. Either send me a private message if you prefer, or you can just send me um, a post right along with this uh, um, message underneath it. So does the Bible encourage makeup? Uh, I'm going to read starting from a, a little book that I got some a number of years ago that went through and spoke about uh, cultures and customs in the Middle East and how that was applied to the ancient times in the Bible. It's called Strange Scriptures to the Western Mind. It says, Painting does not appear to have been by any means universal among the Hebrews. References to it are few, and in each instance it seems to have been unworthy of a woman of high character. Thus Jezebel put her eyes in painting, 2 Kings 9.30. Jeremiah says of the harlot city, Though thou rentest thy face with painting. Jeremiah 4, verse 30. And Ezekiel again makes it a characteristic of a harlot, Ezekiel 24.30. So a uh, very bleak picture that it's painting of, uh, of makeup. So let's read those scriptures specifically. 2 Kings 9.30. And when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a win window. So here we have Jezebel in pride as the queen mother. Her Actually, her grandson has been uh, killed by Jehu already. She knows he's coming for her, and she tries one last-ditch effort. At least she's going to says she's going to die as a queen standing in her... Uh, a lovely home painted up and with her with her um, tiara on her on her head and uh, dying not in repentance but in pride scary jeremiah 430 writes and when thou art spoiled what wilt thou do though thou closest thyself with crimson though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold though thou rentest thy face with painting in vain shalt thou make thyself fair. Thy lovers will despise thee. They will seek thy life. So this is speaking of Israel uh, seeking to entice other nations to take care of her. And so he's presenting her. She's dressing as a harlot. Part of that dressing as a harlot is painting their face. Ezekiel 23, 40. And furthermore, that ye have sent for men to come from far unto whom a messenger was sent, and lo, they came for whom thou didst wash thyself, paintest thy eyes, and decks thyself with ornaments. Uh, again, makeup is not painted in a positive light at all in Scripture. Uh, let's look to the motives of the heart. The Bible in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearances of evil. The Bible connects the use of makeup with immorality and idolatry. Uh, in modern society, we don't think of it that way. Um, you hear different things of saying, we're going to uh, put on my face. I'm going to uh, uh, get, made, get made up. Um, all these different ways of speaking about it. But have you ever thought and considered where this tradition of wearing makeup has come from? Um, I'm not here to condemn anyone, but I'm here to point out the scriptures and challenge you. 
um, is wearing the use of makeup and wearing makeup, is that a, a scriptural tradition or is it uh, of the world? Is it a worldly tradition or has it no bearing at all or whatsoever? Well, as we read from the scripture, three times the Bible speaks about makeup and each time it speaks in a negative light. Some people will bring up and say, well, Esther speaks about makeup. Well, if you look at the original verses, it doesn't speak about makeup. Um, uh, you, it, it speaks about uh, uh, oils and uh, lotions and things like that. It doesn't speak about makeup at all. Some, some uh, translations render it cosmetics, but it's not speaking of cosmetics. The motive of the heart, the objective of the heart. Wearing makeup is an immodest thing that draws the attention to outward beauty instead of the inner character of the heart. Why do women wear makeup? Examine this for the sake of showing their character. You don't wear makeup to appear before God. You wear makeup to appear a certain way before men and women because you want people to think of you in a certain way. Um, this is not a scriptural approach. This is what Brother Branham says. Um, Listen, my sisters, I ain't saying this for jokes because I don't believe in joking in the pulpit. But there was only one woman in the Bible ever painted her face, and you don't paint your face to meet God, you paint your face to meet man. That's right. And only one woman ever painted her face, and that was Jezebel. That's right. The origins of makeup date back to Egypt. They were worn by queens and pagan priestesses to denote social rank. Queens were considered visible expressions of female deities. In Christian society throughout history, it's been considered sinful. It wasn't considered normal. This was not until the 20th century that our sisters in Christ began to put on makeup. Prior to that, it was viewed as sinful and wrong amongst any society that was serious about their faith. And you know who the greatest promoter of makeup during the 20th century was? Hollywood. And Hollywood is used by the devil to brainwash the people. 20th century makeup and immodest clothing became acceptable for denominational Christians. Thomas Matton uh, a, a Puritan from the 17th century, they lived from 1620 to 1677, wrote this in his sermons upon Titus. Garments were given to cover nakedness and the deformity that was introduced by sin. Therefore the apostle saith, let the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. The leaving the breast naked and whole or in part is a transgression of this rule. They uncover their nakedness, which they should veil and hide, especially in God's presence. Yet usually women come hither with a shameless impudence into the presence of God, men, and angels. This is a practice that neither suits with modesty nor conveniency. Nothing can be alleged for it but reasons of pride and wantonness. It feeds your own pride and provokes lusts in others. You would think they were wicked women that should let, offer poison others poison to drink. They do that which is worse. They lay a snare for the soul. They uncover that which should be covered. Christians should be far from allowing sin in themselves or provoking it in others. And so there's a question that goes forth, God or Hollywood? How Hollywood glorifies outward beauty and destroys the soul. 
But God points to inward character and the beauty of holiness. Is modern fashion your absolute? Fitting, fitting in with culture and society, is that your absolute? Or is the Word of God your absolute? If the Word of God is your absolute, you will stop wearing makeup. If Hollywood is your absolute, you'll continue wearing makeup. Who are you letting shape your wardrobe and your appearance and your mind? Hollywood, media, the entertainment industry, or God and his holy word? That's the question that goes forth to you. Today I want to speak upon the subject, what does the Bible say about long hair? So let's read from the scripture. We're going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And you can read all of it. It's 4 through 16, but I'm going to read 4 through 7 then verse 10, and then verse 13 through 16. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? But does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if a man seems to be contentious, we have no such custom neither the churches of God. Amen. The words there in the Greek, to have, lo have long hair, um, it's translated from the Greek word komao, which means to let the hair grow. To let the hair grow. That, that means that you're not to cut it at all. It doesn't mean, well, long hair is if it's, halfway down your back or down to your waist or down to your shoulders. It mean, it doesn't mean that. It means you don't cut your hair. And that's been the custom for women in Christ, in, um, amongst Christians and Jews since, since the very beginning is a woman is to not cut her hair. What does it mean to have long hair? It means to let the hair grow. You just let it grow. It grows as long as God wants it to be. If you're African, you let it grow. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter if it's really curly hair, and it's only this much off your head. You just let it grow. If you're uh, from another nation and your hair grows down to to your legs, you let it grow. You just let the hair grow. So, looking at these verses, Paul teaches that a woman should have long hair, and a man should have short hair. A woman's hair is given her as a covering. Cutting the hair means even putting the scissors to it at all. That's what that meaning of the word, to have long, to let it grow. If she dishonors her husband, her hair should be shaven. If a woman has long hair, it is her glory. This is only the only custom the church has in all the world. A common objection is that this is merely cultural. Now, obviously there's cultural things weaved within there. Because uh, it's speaking about, it also speaks about um, wearing a veil. A woman does not have to wear a veil today. 
That is a cultural thing. Some cultures they do, some cultures they don't. However, the parts there are parts that are indisputably not cultural, which is the long hair and the short hair. That's Paul is weaving local culture in with things that are irrefutable. So this is not cultural because Paul references the headship of man when he's talking about long hair shaven hair, cut hair. He references the headship of man. That is God's eternal truth. Adam was first created, not not Eve. So the headship of man is a biblical truth that doesn't change. Second, Paul states that this should be done because of the angels. There's no cultural boundary to angels. Uh, In other words, of course, we understand that there's a prince of this area, a prince of this area, and there's ru- rulership and so forth, even among, amongst the demons, but also amongst the angels. Paul is referencing spiritual warfare in this verse. A woman should have long hair because of the angels. Why because of the angels? Because there's spiritual warfare, and it puts her under the protection of her husband and ultimately under the protection of Christ. She is showing forth what the bride of Christ is supposed to be. So when she's she as a type showing forth what the bride of Christ is to be, it shows she's under the bride is the head up head uh, under the headship of Christ. Then Paul says the churches of God have only one custom. We have no other custom. That is all the churches throughout the world have this custom. There's one there's not one custom in Macedonia, another in Asia, another in Israel. One in America, one in here, one there. He says, we have no other custom. This is our only one custom, our only practice for the church. This does not vary by culture. Remember, the Roman Empire spanned many different cultures, and he didn't single out any one particular culture that was accepted from this natural law that Paul places as a biblical law. First Corinthians 11.15 says her hair is given her for a covering. In the time of Paul's writing, there were two reasons a woman would cut her hair. One, if her husband died and she was in mourning, and the next would be if it was done forcibly as a punishment for prostitution or adultery. According to the Bible, it's a shameful thing for a woman to cut her hair, and if she does it, it's the same as though she were dishonoring her head, her husband, and ultimately dishonoring Christ. Brother Branham says this in Questions and Answers, August 30th, 1964. And of course, I know women wants to look pretty. That's nature. That's the way they should be. See, that the, that should be that way. And so that's fine. But don't otherwise like this. Don't look like the world. Don't pattern yourself after the world. That's wrong. If you want it, if you want it cut off like that, but don't cut your hair now. If you've got braids hanging down or whatever it is in your hair, you leave it long. Don't cut it like it's going to look like the world. Don't cut your hair. Let it grow. To let it to have long hair means to let it grow. Amen. That's a very simple, simple truth that we find in the scripture. A man is to have short hair. A woman is to let her hair grow. She's not to put a scissors to it at all. She's not to cut the bangs. She's not to trim the back. You simply let it grow as long as, 
as exactly as long as God wants you personally to have your hair. God is in control of that. But you surrender to him and let your hair grow, sisters. Brothers, if you've got long hair, cut your hair. It's unscriptural to have long hair. So with that said, if you have questions, feedback, uh, comments, please let me know. You can send me a private message uh, or you can just post a comment below this video and I will respond in future videos or directly uh, in the comment section. Thank you so much. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you for listening to Equipping the Bride podcast. New episodes are posted every Friday. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, testimonies, or prayer requests, please let me know at jasondemars.com. I also have free books and tracks available at my website, and shipping is free as well. Please, I ask you to remember the believers and the mission's work in the Middle East in prayer. May the Lord richly bless you.